everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of A Semio Decoded, where we do our very best to bring you stories about how technology is used to make the world a better place. We have a very special Halloween episode for you today, where we discuss... AI consciousness and adequately and appropriately titled Ghost in the Machine. Indeed. And we are going to be joined by a handful of community members as well who are... (laughs) Generously giving us their time and energy. So we have someone coming from the Lakota tribe who's going to be talking to us about their beliefs and the possibility of uh, AI consciousness. And then we have a Unitarian minister who will be joining us as well as a tech and visual artist. So we have quite the diverse uh, group today. And what are your thoughts? I think that AI consciousness is a, first off, it's super complex. Let's start there. Um, I feel like we don't really have a good definition of consciousness today. Um, Cognitive scientists, that's something that they're still working on, and psychologists and philosophers. However, two more interesting questions are, one, can AI even be conscious? Like, is that even possible? That's more of a metaphysical question. And then two, can AI seem conscious? Okay, can it appear to have consciousness similar to that of, say, a a person? And we're actually going to be testing that today in our session. Our teaser episode. Our teaser episode, exactly. Which if you haven't already listened to, we highly encourage you to check out. It's pretty cool, I have to say. It is pretty cool. And with that, Let's dive into the conversations. I am Marlon Lavenhar. I am the senior minister at All Souls Unitarian Church in Tulsa. And I've been in this role for, I'm in my 23rd year in this role as a minister of this wonderful community. Congratulations for that. That is amazing. Actually, I don't know, we've probably known you for 15 of that, maybe 13 of that. I think so, at least. Mm -hmm. Man, Um, how much have you been following the news about AI or AI consciousness? I will tell you, I'm not somebody who spends a lot of time reading and studying. So I'm not a scholar of AI. I have kind of an armchair interest in it. And so, you know, if there's an article on it or a show, I'll sometimes watch. But I'm not somebody who's very versed in AI, but I have my thoughts and opinions, of course. Consciousness is a mystery, even to, even within science, even among human beings. And some people think it has to do with language, but then dogs seem to be conscious. There's some cultural issues too. I mean, I know I lived in Japan for a couple of years and they have a very different relationship to robots over there and artificial intelligence. They've incorporated much more into their lives and they're much more likely to think of them as as being conscious, I think, is my sense. And I think that, you know, some cultures will, you know, they'll see a doll that looks like a human being that has eyes and they'll sort of attribute consciousness just to a doll. I think in Japanese culture, there is something in the psychology and in the, in their, some of their metaphysics that make them imagine that, you know, having a relationship with a, a robot or a machine is something that is more somehow acceptable i think that's a cultural thing right and and that's kind of where i find more of like an interesting dialogue is and that's where i'm really interested in kind of diving a little deeper on on your perspective is 
you know, in the, the cultures that you've been a part of, the studies that you've made around um, not only if like through your role as a minister, but then also just kind of through your life experience, you know, do you have any thoughts on if a machine or AI or a computer or an algorithm could even be conscious? That's a great question. I, I my, here's some thoughts that, that I, I have. I meditate. I've been meditating for probably 30 years. And, and in the meditation process, as we meditate, there's this part of us that, that we sometimes call the higher mind or the higher self that is able to be an observer, observing my thoughts, observing my emotions. And it almost feels like there's this, this part of myself that can be in dialogue with myself. And that, whatever that is, that I, I can watch my thoughts come up. And I can let go of my thought. I can decide that I'm going to let go of that thought. And th that observer self, I find it hard to imagine machines or a computer, you know, as I understand them, being able to have that kind of consciousness, that, that self that can think about itself and have feelings about what it's thinking about itself and have feelings about what it's feeling about what it, you know, it's thinking. That, that kind of idea seems to be, me to be related to conscience and and consciousness right that i that i don't see being something that's i can imagine being replicated in in and so going from like the the you know, spectrum of more complex and difficult things to answer so one are you know is ai conscious that's kind of impossible to answer so let's skip that one then two could AI be conscious? And I think that it's a, it's a, you know, that's a one that's really in the metaphysical realm now. And, and so squarely saying like, ah, you know, it's so hard to, to imagine. It seems like a completely reasonable and fair answer there. And then, and then you touched on the kind of the other end of the spectrum, which I think is also very interesting in could AI emulate consciousness. And I would say even, to the level that it other it would appear conscious to other humans and so not you know it's not conscious we'll just say it's not conscious today we'll just hand wave that one and just give it a, a no we'll say that's probably you know difficult if not perhaps impossible for it to be conscious but what's your thoughts on if what's the possibility of it being able to emulate consciousness again i'm not an expert on computers but i am a, a bit of a of an expert so to speak on human pathos and the human experience, and it does seem very hard to imagine that being mm -hmm. replicated. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, you know the the really. I mean, you know this this episode is a Halloween episode, and we're titling it uh, "Ghost in the Machine," right? Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm not exactly sure which idea is more terrifying to me the idea of ai becoming or being conscious or the idea of ai that emulates it so well that a human cannot tell whether it's another human or not because if you in that world you could imagine especially as much as our online life is becoming more and more part of our, our 
you know, daily existence and technology is embedding itself into our actions and belief systems and, and right. even so many instances seeming to control us. And in that instance, you could have whole lifetimes where humans interact with, with machines and don't know that it's a machine or not. You could have AI viruses that slip into the world that project themselves as humans that get identities or even some legal rights or something. And you just never know if they're that good. You, we may never know. And the scary part that, you know, when you think about it, I was thinking, you know, every superhero has a weakness, right? Spider-Man has his aunt, you know, and they're, they're always the belling goes after her. And then Spider-Man, you know, has to yeah, somehow ends up in trouble or Clark Kent has Lois and Lois Lane. And so there's these, there's these ways in which love, uh, especially sort of is, is a kind of obviously a strength, but a, a weakness in the sense that it can, it can make us vulnerable. And, and I don't see AI having to deal with that. I don't see AI having the kinds of emotion to create that weakness, which means it gives them a great strength to do certain jobs and certain things where our emotions get in the way. Um, but I think it also, like a supervillain, it, it could be a sociopath because it has no feeling. If it has no feeling and it can do all kinds of things, then, and we know watching the algorithms and how their impact right now on society. We're watching how algorithms are dividing cultures and people mm. within cultures because you're only getting certain information, only certain, certain seeing certain things on social media because of the algorithms. That's what starts to scare me because I, I can imagine those algorithms are a, sort of a form of AI. And so these, these algorithms are out here creating all this division, not, not the, it, they're trying to create the they're not a program to create division, I don't think. It's just that they're programmed to do something, they do that very well, and what that ends up doing in a human society or culture is create polarization and other kinds of things. So that's where I get a little scared at the fact that they can't. I don't see them having pathos and emotion and learning from emotion the way we do. And I think that's really the special sauce that makes people human. And also, uh, you know, there's something about the human experience. We have these crazy dictators who, you know, will threaten with nuclear weapons and things like that. But most people, I feel like there's this conscience and there's this sense of kindness and love and care that I just don't imagine being replicated. So that's both scary, depending on what kind of power AI gets. Maybe, maybe the bigger question is not what do we think of AI, but what does AI think of us? <laughs> I think that is an excellent question. And perhaps one, we will have the opportunity to one day ask our robot overlords. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. My name is Grace Gerthaus. I'm a computational artist grappling with climate change and the challenges facing us in the 21st century. How much have you been following AI consciousness and all that interestingness that's happening around that? That is definitely a subset of research that I'm really fascinated by. And while it's not my main research area, so I have to give that caveat because there are things that I missed for sure for that reason. Um, because I'm fascinated, I do follow as much as I can. So I'm going to start with an assumption, and I would love to hear your thoughts about this assumption. And my assumption is 
that we don't know really from a scientific perspective, we struggle from a philosophical perspective to even define consciousness. So it's kind of an impossible question. And, and frankly, in my opinion, maybe yeah. even not all that interesting to talk about to say, is mm -hmm. AI conscious or not? So let me start there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that starting point. I think that it might be less interesting to decide whether or not AI can become conscious than it is to think about how machine learning will impact society culturally, uh, governmentally, economically. I think those are the more interesting questions to me because, I mean, you have for a long time people saying, you know, I mean, the singularity is coming and they're warning about that. You have Stephen Hawking famously always uh, warned us about that during his lifetime. Um, but it seems to me like a really distant possibility. And uh, what's a little more pressing concern is the fourth industrial revolution, which is being driven predominantly by machine learning advances. Yes, I, I totally agree that, and, and that's actually the normal uh, focus of our uh, of our work at Asimio in the podcast we have too. So I think I would love to go ahead and pre-invite you on again for the future to talk about some of those uh, those things, okay? Um, because I find them incredibly fascinating, and is you know, and I think it's it's adjacent. I, I don't think that we'll probably. I mean, there's a good chance that, in my opinion, that we will have. Uh, AI that will be indistinguishable from human consciousness before it would actually be conscious, <laughs> if that's even possible, right? So I'm going to hand wave the canopy. Yes, yes, you know? that's, that's exactly right. Like, so if you're measuring a text bot purely on its capacity to converse with you versus a human's capacity to converse with you, maybe there's no distinguishable difference. So it passes the Turing test, but in terms of actual cognitive elasticity, creative thinking, um, independent thought, you know, these things it doesn't, it doesn't measure up. I think looking back at the research of Benjamin Batman, I think would be very interesting because uh, if it has its own ontology, so what is its own insult, mm -hmm. if you would say, or like its own perspective of being in the world, that may be a more interesting perspective with which to look at the problem. Um, should there be any aspects of machine learning that become indistinguishable from human sentience, it nonetheless doesn't negate the fact that it would be following its own set of logic and not perhaps the human interest or the human perspective of logic and creativity. If I'm, you know, turning up the spooky music and going like, ooh, machine learning, AI, like what's scary, <laughs> then... One of the spookiest things to me is that problem of the black box and how I, I imagine that if those that don't follow the closely, you know, the machine learning and um, in some of the advances in AI research and application in general, pro might not realize that a lot of the time the, the researchers and experts, you know, aren't sure like they all, like often, that's why we're doing research, right? Because we're not sure we're testing something, but then you know, can't explain in some instances the, the results they get in general, but then in specific instances often can't explain why the why. So it's like we're, it's almost this version of modern casting, this Faustian spell that we're saying like, okay, and now we have an algorithm 
that gives us back answers. We're not exactly sure why it's right. We kind of know how it works. We, we know that part a little bit, but we can't predict, you know, in the future how it might shift. And that's actually spooky. It really is. I mean, I think any sufficiently advanced technology is because, you know, we could say it's distinguishable from magic. This has been said before. And, um, and I think that's particularly relevant here. But what's, I think, novel is that we, um, we finally reached a point where our creations can even give the appearance of having their own life. And, uh, so, that's never really been possible before. Like when we first invented machines, they did exactly what we thought. They're very simple. And it's kind of exciting to think that the ecology of creations that humanity has invented now involve um, processes that are sophisticated enough that they can um, approximate living systems. I think when we first started studying cybernetics, this was only dreamed of and, and not actually made possible. And yet here we are. I mean, we can actually take living cells from frog cells to kind of like robotically engineer actions um, into their living cells. Um, we're at a point where we can kind of create at a level we never have before. And this is, this is both frightening and exciting because um, it can be used in either way, right? So I think the Greek concept of the pharmacon is really helpful in this instance where something can be both a poison and a cure. Right, so like machine learning has capacities to make onerous work uh, kind of taken care of for people, but also maybe perhaps it has a capacity to short circuit uh, creative processes, uh, intellectual processes that might increase um, income inequality, for example, or have effects on society that we're not even really sure what they would be. So I'm, I'm Again, much less concerned that uh, machine learning or what's kind of in pop science called artificial intelligence will truly reach the singularity and, and match a person. But I am more interested in expanding our notions of consciousness to other species on the planet. Um, you see very exciting research into plant consciousness, for example. Indications that plants may even have the capacity to count to have a sense of time, uh, both past and future, to anticipate events, um, to have a sophisticated signaling system, both within their own species across vast distances, um, but also with other species. So there's um, collaborations and uh, competitions, things like that, sophisticated communication that we don't even understand yet. Um, distributed consciousness also extends to things like um, organism aggregates like slime molds, in which you have a lot of different organisms coming together uh, and yet seem somehow able to organize in such a way that they can learn and then pass that information on to the next uh, um, cycle of, of beings and how can they do that, right? So I think I'm, I'm pretty interested in possibilities of consciousness being not only distributed, but in, embodied in material itself. Um, is there any possibility of pan consciousness or could consciousness be some aspect of the fabric of the universe like space-time? 
Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, my brother. So what's going on? Well, so we're doing a podcast and we're, we're going to do one for like around the Halloween time. And we were thinking about doing it on like a thing called artificial intelligence. And basically, we're just curious if you could like just kind of give a few words from your perspective as, you know, just a, um, a storyteller and as a leader and for the Lakota people and discuss what like a couple of interesting questions about this technology. Is that OK? Does that sound good? Sure. OK, yeah. cool. Awesome. I'm curious as like a jumping off point what you may have heard about artificial intelligence or if you have kind of any like thoughts about it starting out. Well, you know, to be honest, um, when the first thing that pops into my mind when, you know, what you said, artificial intelligence, the first thing that pops into my mind and a person for a person is that everything everything out you know out there can be considered artificial mm-hmm. you know it's not real and when when someone has a i guess in a way an artificial you know um whatever it's they're not true to themselves and they're not true to everybody else in other words it's like a fake now they may that may not be a good description of it yeah but to me when you say artificial intelligence or artificial you know it's like okay how true and how um how real is it right well, you know. I, that, I think that's a, a great question. And so you may have um, noticed like, uh, for example, when you use Google Maps, right? And it's telling you mm-hmm. the best route to go to a location. Or if you listen to um, or watch a movie on Netflix or listen to the radio on the internet and it picks the next song for you, mm-hmm. right? There's computers behind that that are crunching all this data about you, trying to guess what your next um, movie that you'd like to watch is. And so, so one of those technologies that powers those recommendations is referred to often as artificial intelligence. And you're right, like in, it's not real. It's not a human's mind that's sitting there in that sense. It's a computer algorithm that's picking through all this big data, but the the challenge with this today, what we're seeing in the latest technology, is these computers that are running these models, that's this AI, they actually can speak with you and imitate a human very well. So they've started, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. started to talk with computer scientists and the scientists know how it works. So most of the scientists are not too weirded out by it. They're like, this is cool technology. It's advanced technology. It's it's maybe um, powerful tech that we should be aware of how it's used and stuff. But it's not like a real person, or it's not real intelligence in that sense. And so there's an ongoing discussion, and most scientists don't think that that these computers are 
conscious or sentient or anything close to approximating a person at all yet. But my, the question we're thinking about on this podcast is a little different than that. It's could a machine ever be real in that sense? Like, do you think it's even possible for a machine to have a, a soul or consciousness outside of a human? In other words, taking control? Yeah, like if, yeah, could it have, have it's like these computers. So there's this Google scientist that was talking to this computer and the computer program or AI model was able to interact with this scientist in a way that that scientist then believed the computer was equal to a person. Like it was an individual that had, you know, beliefs and thoughts and a will. And I'm curious if you even think like, is that even possible in like the Lakota way? Like can a non-human being have a spirit or will? Well, yes, because I, I've, I've seen it or I haven't seen it, but I know of situations that, um, that some, something like that did happen back on a reservation. And, you know, the, the individual, this young man, 19, 20 years old, he lived on a computer. From the time he wakes up to the time he goes to bed, he lived on the computer. And he got into something, and this was actually, I want to say about 20, 25 years ago. Mm. He got into something, and he, the family said he started acting different. Yeah. Started acting different. His attitude changed. Um, it got to a point where he locked himself in the room and he'd be, he'd actually be talking to the computer. Mm. He'd be talking. And then people, you know, his family would say, you know, they've heard this machine, the computer be talking back to him like there was someone on the other, on the inside of that. Mm. Well, he got so bad um, to a point where he wouldn't, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't sleep, and they literally had to force, their, force themselves into the room. And, you know, he was so weak and all that. So they took him, and they took him to an old spiritual leader, a spiritual man, medicine man. And they took him to sweat, took him to ceremony and whatnot. And that's when they were told that an unknown spirit, an unknown entity entered his body through what they call it, uh, um, I guess the best way to describe it was, because they said it in Indian, was a um, man-made machine. Mm. And while the, the only thing that he was involved in that was man-made machine was the computer. And they said something came out of that computer and entered his body, took over his body. 
So they did uh, sweats or a ceremony, bathroom ceremony for him. He came out of it. He came out of it, but they told him that he needed to get rid of that. Well, when the family, one of the family members went into that room to get rid of that computer, and as soon as he went to unplug it, he got shocked. What? He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he couldn't unplug it. As soon as he grabbed that cord, I guess it shocked him and knocked him back. So they went and tried to shut the computer down by, you know, doing the power button all that. And when they shut it down, the computer came back on. So what they ended up doing was they shut the whole power system down to the house. They killed the power because someone, someone told them, you know, well, kill the power to the house. So they killed the power to the house. And then they were able to unplug that and they got rid of that computer. How did two months later, two months later, um, he got, you know, he, of course he, back then they coming out, they started coming out with these phones, the iPhones and whatnot. Wow. Got himself a phone and I don't know, he somehow was doing, you know, looking something up and the phone rang. So he thought, well, someone's calling me. He got, went to answer that phone, put it up to his ear, that phone exploded, killed him. What? Wow. So when they questioned it, you know, of course, here again, and I don't mean any disrespect or anything to you or anybody. But of course. When you look at it on a white man's version, on a white world. Yeah. They told him that that phone was malfunctioning. Mm. Okay. And they said, well, he probably had it plugged in all that. Well, when they found it out, the phone was not plugged in. Didn't, what, did have no charger on it. So they said, well, it's not that, what is it? It's what, you know, natural cause of death was the phone exploded in his ear and all. But when they went to the medicine man, the medicine man told them, when they unplugged that, they shut that computer down and they shut everything down. What they did was they killed that spirit or whatever it was that was in that computer. So when that spirit died in that computer, it took the individual that he was associated with. Mm. Meaning that spirit went into that phone and caused that phone to explode, so it took him with it. And to your earlier point, that it can be hard to see that reality when you're looking at it from like the white man perspective and you're like, oh, well, there's electrical current, there's a malfunction, there's a problem. And then when you're looking at it from your perspective, you have a, like the entire story that you're looking at and a spiritual leader that's 
giving a perspective that puts a much different frame on it. Mm -hmm. What, what are your hopes or dreams or fears then as technology has become even more embedded in our daily life and with the ability for evil to spread as well as good through it, what might be some of your wishes or dreams or, or fears or, or words of wisdom? Well, I guess people need more education, more more familiarization on different things. And if you have the teachings and the knowledge and the training and be more aware of what's in front of you, then it can be good. Hmm. But if you don't have the teachings, you don't have the, the the teachings or you know the training or the educational, and you go on there and you get into something that you shouldn't be, or you shouldn't, then it can be bad. Well, thank you, Hermes. You're one of the most generous people I know with your stories and your wisdom and your food and your love. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, don't forget to check out our teaser and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes of Asimio Decoded. Baby slot, mama slot, mama slot. Is this the outro? I'm so glad I was recording. <laughs> <laughs>